Here we go another time, here we go again. Hear me catch you up on what I've done and where I've been. In case you missed some episodes, in case that you are new. In case in all these rhymes and beats you'll find a quick review. In Kathmandu post landing, though I thought my plans were modest. Well, I soon find myself standing right before a living goddess. Left town on a shiny bus, you know I sat on top. Windy roads and windblown hair and then a sudden stop. For two weeks there I volunteered by moving heavy rocks and laughed and danced and then I wrote a song about Dalbot. Then some rafting and some trekking where I really hurt my knees. Then I shaved my head and pierced my ears while waiting for my visa to India. But here's the thing, I'm running low on cash. How could I fulfill all my dreams and make my money last? I could find a hill or beach just chilling, doing nothing. But I had plans, ambitions, and I wanted to do something. I can do this. I can make India happen. Just gotta pick it up a bit. Speed things up. Double time. I'll do this. I took a bus to the border. I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. My ear was still swollen. I took another bus ride on the shoulder to a train stop where I got scanned and back with the store. Then a train to Varanasi where I tried to not see the bad with go with the flow and drank chai on the Ganges, which got me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? You're gonna hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, but I was just... No, no, just stop. Yeah, but I got... No, no, you don't. Stop. You're gonna pull something. But, but I, I have to catch everybody up. No, no, you don't. But, but I have to review... No. No, you don't. You've got a lot to get done. The show's getting longer and longer. You've got to just stop. But how will they know? Tell them to listen to the other episodes. Send them to honeyroastedtshirts.com. Or better yet, just tell them to subscribe. Listen to all the episodes. Yeah, but can I... No, you've got a show to do. But I was gonna... I got this great rhyme with South Asia, gonna amaze ya. No, get to the show. Stop with this nonsense. But I... No, no buts. The scary dromedary kicked my derriere. It's a great line. No, stop. Get on with the show. No more singing, rapping, poetry. Just stop. Get on with the show. If they want music, they can download Dollbot Diddy. Yeah, but... They can download Dollbot Diddy. Where can they download Dollbot Diddy? Wherever they get their music. Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Download it, stream it, just, just get it. Okay. No more singing. Okay. Welcome back to all of you great members of the J-Luck Club, presented as always by Honey Roasted T-Shirts. Not sure if you're a member of the club? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, then you most certainly are a member in great standing. Don't forget to check out HoneyRoastedT-Shirts.com for pictures and extras. You can also get all episodes directly at TheJLuckClubPodcast.com, but I'll tell you what, The best thing you can do is to simply subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the usual suspects. And while you're at it, leave a review. It really helps grow membership. When we last left off, I had departed India after six truly unforgettable weeks. All in all, I'd spent three and a half months in South Asia, met amazing people, saw incredible sights, and experienced highs and lows, both in terms of altitude and emotions. Returning to Southeast Asia, I landed in Bangkok, Thailand, which not only felt like my second home, but was very much, in fact, the primary residence of my safety deposit box. That's right, folks, I was reunited with my travel funds, and this boy had money again. In addition to a reunion with my money and a familiar land, I was also preparing to reconnect with two familiar faces, Ava, who had been my neighbor in Japan, and Chuck, a good friend from Berkeley, 
but I would not only be meeting up with people from my past, but also meeting someone new who would be an integral part of my immediate future. But before we get to that, I just have to say, I am absolutely thrilled to be here with you again. I've missed you. Okay, that may sound a bit strange to those of you who are binge-listening to these shows long after they've been released, and just minutes ago finished listening to my voice on episode 13, Joe Camel. But full disclosure, on my side of things, I have certainly missed you all. For those of you who may have been with me since the beginning, you may have noticed that I deliberately try to maintain a sense of timelessness about this show. I mean, sure, I'm talking about a trip I took 20 years ago, and I share present perspectives on past plans, pranks, and performances, but my point is, I'm simply telling a story. And it doesn't matter if I record this in the spring and you listen in the winter. I don't reference current events of the day or happenings in my life or the larger world unless they happen to relate to the topic at hand. Further, much like I expected my journey 20 years ago to be over in a matter of months and that I'd be home by Christmas, I also assumed I'd be done sharing the story with you in a handful of months, just recording myself reading some emails, providing my added color and commentary, and closing the door on that chapter, leaving you to continue mixing metaphors on your own. But much like that journey 20 years ago, I found it was much better to let go and see what the universe threw my way and spend the time that each place deserved. And similarly, I realized there was no need to rush through producing these episodes at breakneck pace. Why am I saying all this? Well, bringing all these points together, as I was planning this episode some weeks ago, I decided I would take a bit of time off. I had some other project I'd been working on and some life obligations, plus the end of the year was fast approaching. With all that in mind, I made the decision to wait until the new year to release episode 14, the one to which you are now listening. I felt good about this decision, but when I looked at the calendar for the first Thursday in January, trivia time, I release episodes on Thursdays, it's kind of a thing, I saw the date, January 7th. <laughs> well, guess what, folks? January 7th was the same date 20 years ago when I sent the following email. I take you now to an internet cafe in Bangkok, Thailand. Date. Sunday, January 7th, 2001. From Jay Schneider. Subject, Rambo and Room Service. Happy 2001, dear readers. I'm hoping this first installment of the new year finds everyone healthy, well, and enjoying life as much as I am. I won't bore you with the details of my countdown festivities, since I'm sure it's a tired old story to many of you who were also watching a drag show in a red-light district gay bar. And no, pets, Santa Claus did not find me this year. I'll chalk that up to a lack of a forwarding address and not a reflection of my behavior. Fortunately, Uncle Chuck came for a visit, and not only insisted on sponsoring my holiday, but demanded I upgrade my standard of living. Being the considerate fellow I am, and not wanting to disappoint my old college buddy, I didn't argue. Though it was sad to part from my shoebox room in the Kaosan Road guesthouse, whose slogan read, If the neon lights don't keep you awake, the 24-hour Britney Spears Backstreet Boys Technofest will. I soon adapted to life in the Siam Intercontinental. Admittedly, it was rough at first, going from a guesthouse staff who laughed at me each time I found a cockroach in my bed, to a uniformed man who saluted me each time I passed. I made a point of walking by this gentleman as often as I could. When the swimming pool, driving range, and pleasant strolls through the gardens got too much for us, we could always retreat to our room with its comfortable, proper beds, 
air conditioning, and cable TV. Not just any cable, but cable with American football. It was nice to see a friend from home, not only for his wallet, but also for the sightseeing and exploring of Bangkok's cultural sites. See, none of my female friends shared my desire to discover exactly what the ping-pong show at the go-go bars was all about. But it wasn't all saluting and ping-pong shows. We soon headed south to the islands where I could visit another friendly face, Ava, a fellow ex-English teacher from Japan. It was great to see her again, catch up on the past five months, and threaten her with blackmail. See previous update, Joe Camel. But it was also nice to see her doing so well in her new job. Working as a dive master, dive mistress? In Koh Lanta, she seemed really happy and in her element. During my stay, I heard countless divers praise her dive mastering skills. I almost felt like a proud parent, and tears welling in my eyes, I hugged Chuck and cried, Our little Ava's all grown up. Chuck promptly slugged me, and I promised never to do this again. While Ava was off diving, Chuck and I, who were not certified and didn't have time to take a course, entertained ourselves exploring the islands and its caves, hanging out on the beaches and lounging in Ava's hammock, though not at the same time. We also rented motorcycles and raced around the islands like fully insured maniacs. Yes, I finally got more health insurance. No exciting mud stories this time. It was the dry season, after all. But I did try my hand at taking other people's lives into my hands and carried passengers. Here's what I learned. Ava riding on the back is far more enjoyable than Chuck. But a beautiful Dutch-Indonesian woman beats them all. Sorry, Ava. No apologies, Chuck. Well, it all had to end at some point, and Chuck and I headed back to Bangkok so he could catch his flight back home. Our farewell dinner was room service and Rambo night. The penguin-suited man wheeled in our fresh seafood as we watched First Blood, the original, and by far the best, Rambo movie. Classy. So what's next for our hero? Well, apart from a return to a budget lifestyle, let me explain. My basic plan, and I've always had one despite what most of y'all are thinking, is to explore Laos, northern Thailand, and Malaysia and Singapore, and then pack it up and head for home. But I may not follow the nice itinerary I'd come up with prior to the holidays. Seeing Chuck and Ava reminded me how nice it is to see friendly faces, and travel and hang out with people you get on with. Though I'm always meeting great people on the road, until now I've been doing my own thing, not altering my schedule too much in order to travel with or meet up with people, and it felt right to do so. But my plan for the new year is to be more people-oriented, and I'll gladly mold my schedule to accommodate friends. For example, I may travel a bit with Ava when she finishes the season, or I may try and meet up with the two American guys who convinced me to shave my head in Kathmandu. Though... I gotta say, I'm a little upset with them as I just found out they missed their chance to be extras in a Bollywood movie because they overslept. I'm so disappointed. So my plans and routes may have me hopping around and backtracking a bit, and it may even lengthen my trip a few weeks. No, really, I am coming home. But I think it'll be for the best. So what does all that mean for right now? I'm heading for Malaysia. See above, beautiful Dutch-Indonesian woman. We'll write again. Jay, don't forget my birthday, January 14th, Schneider. I've mentioned before that I always planned for Thailand to be some sort of a home base for my journey. I also knew it to be a place of comfort, easy living. Travel in India had been incredible and rich and impactful. 
but there were times it was definitely rough. Some of the most challenging parts of my trip, my lowest points, were in India. Returning to Thailand was a sense of comfort. In spite of my rugged, adventure-seeking tendencies, I was looking forward to some comforts. I also just wanted things to be easy for a while. After a physically demanding and intense few months of travel, I wanted to relax on a beautiful island, worrying only about where to hang my hammock and what kind of fruit shake to have. I can never sit still for too long, and I need some adventure or adrenaline rush to keep me feeling alive, but at this moment, I was genuinely looking forward to spending Christmas and New Year's just relaxing. I have also talked about how it's nice to have benchmarks and touch points. When I returned to Bangkok after a month in Cambodia, it was a really good checkpoint for me to take stock of what I'd been through over the previous month. What I'd seen, what I'd done, how I'd changed and grown. This time, I was coming back to Thailand after being away for three and a half months. And not just Bangkok, I was going to see my friend Ava. Ava was an American girl who lived in my neighborhood in Japan. I enjoyed spending time with her, in part because she was an artist with a curious and adventurous soul, and also because, whereas I lived in a typical tiny Japanese one-room studio apartment, she lived in a large traditional Japanese house. Picture a large Japanese-style house with traditional garden and numerous shoji-screened rooms. Seriously, every time I was over there, I half expected a samurai to come charging down the halls. She had more rooms than she knew what to do with, which was great for gatherings and house parties, but also came with its own challenges. This is the vacuum cleaner room, she would say. Why do you call it that, I'd ask, envious of the single room as large as my entire dwelling? Because I keep my vacuum in there. Anyway, I last saw Ava on her last day in Japan when we met up at the castle grounds for an artistic sunrise photo in front of our beloved Himeji Castle. After leaving Japan, Ava had gone off to wander and found herself working at a dive shop on the island of Koh Lanta as a dive master. We kept in email contact, and I made plans to spend Christmas with her. I was excited to see Ava because it had been five months. Plus, it would be a good check-in to take stock of how we had both changed and grown and what we had done, and remember, this was pre-digital photography, so she never saw how those castle pictures turned out. But my friend Chuck was also flying out to see me. Chuck is my good friend from college, so this was going to be another checkpoint. I had been emailing Chuck, and he mentioned he hadn't had a vacation in three years, so we agreed that lounging about on a Thai island seemed exactly what we both needed. And it was. But don't take my word for it, I... Caught up with Chuck a little while ago, and we chatted about our time. Let me start here. 20 years ago, actually almost exactly 20 years ago, uh, we're, we're getting up on it. You knew I was out traveling the world. You were living your life, and you thought, I'm going to go up and meet with Jay. Can you tell me what you remember about that time, where you were in life, what you were doing, and what made you think, hey, I'll go and see Jay for Christmas? Uh, I had been working in the software industry pretty much for three years without a vacation. Mm -hmm. I had been traveling a lot for work, international sales manager for a startup software company in Alameda. So yeah, so I'd be, be five weeks on the road, two weeks home, all over Europe and, and Asia. In fact, I'd met up with you in Japan a couple of years before that. I remember that, uh, wiped from my memory, and then I remember that's right. You were in Tokyo, so I came up and we spent a, a night or two or something together, but I'd forgotten about that. But the company I was working for had been acquired, so I had a new role, but I was just burnt. I really needed a break. So uh, never been to, to Thailand before. I think you had suggested the uh, the location. So decided it was a good idea. It was a very open-minded trip. I actually decided to travel without bringing anything except for an empty backpack. I also remember that you showed up very minimalist in packing because I think one day we actually had to go underwear shopping for you and maybe get some other necessities for, for your time there. 
We went to Pat Pong so that I could buy lots of knockoff soccer jerseys. Yes. So that was a large part of my Thailand uh, beachwear was knockoff uh, soccer jerseys. Lots of knockoff goods. That's right. All right. So then uh, what do you actually remember about the trip itself? What memories do you, you have? Well, I definitely remember it in three clear phases. Mm-hmm. You sort of the, the arrival pre Kolanta portion, mm-hmm. the Kolanta portion, and then the return to Bangkok. <laughs> right. Okay. I remember g- going with you to the hovel where you had been staying, <laughs> and then going to the Intercontinental, which I enjoyed staying at in other countries. And they had like a highlight court. And the place was crazy. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the highlight. Wow. But the thing I remember most about it was there was a guy, when you went out through the, the back of the hotel into the, the huge gardens, there was a guy on the path who would salute you. Yes. <laughs> so uh, you and I did like loops. <laughs> like, what? how many would he salute us every time? And, and he did. I mean, like five times around. Let's, should we take another time around? Sure. Let's see if he salutes. And he did. It was great. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's a good job or not. It's kind of like the the silent saluting Walmart greeter. <laughs> yes, I do remember us making deliberate. Let's pass by the guy and get saluted again. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I I can't really argue with that. Well, and and then also you pulled me out of my hovel. So yeah, I'd been on the road for quite some time doing the you know grungy backpacker budget traveling. So it was a, a super change of pace to then here I am at the Intercontinental, real beds, air conditioning, room service, and uh, getting saluted by a guy. I was not complaining. It was a, a nice Christmas break for sure. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't remember a lot about what we did w- before we went down to Kolanta. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our um, salacious adventure was before or after. I, I had the advantage of, as I'm doing this, reading through some of my journal entries. So so in, in our three parts of that trip, your arrival, then going down to the islands, and then back in Bangkok at the end. That first part, I think for both of us, there was a sense of just decompressing. I had been, you know, on the road having some amazing experiences, but some rough travel. And I do know that it was also for me really great to see you, great friend from my college days. So it was also a grounding thing. In addition to we did go see some of the nighttime tourist sites that you do in Bangkok because, you know, hey, we're we're tourists in Bangkok. Yeah, I remember we, we went to the we did visit the, the really big reclining Buddha, which was cool. Yeah, we went to Wat Po. I think we went to Wat Arun. We did, you know, went on the canals. You know, we we did the things you should see in Bangkok if you're there for a day or two. We, I remember we went out, we had some food. We enjoyed walking around the grounds of the Intercontinental because why not? And you did run some errands, do some shopping, pick up some some clothes. Buying uh, fake Gucci and Louis Vuitton leather goods and Pat Pong to take back as souvenirs. And then uh, we made our way south to Koh Lanta, where my friend from Japan, Ava, was a dive master and working at a dive shop. So we agreed we'd go down and hang out with her. Oh, well, let's let's step back to oh. the 24-hour bus ride. Oh, my God, yes. Which we skipped on the way back because I insisted that we fly. Mm-hmm. You and I were in, <laughs> definitely on, on opposite ends of the budget range at that point. Yeah, so we were sitting in the back of the bus. The little round things that fit in the holes above you that allow you to control the airflow on the air conditioning were not there. So it was just blowing like full on air conditioned air on us. And I kept trying like shoving clothing up there to make it stop and they like fly out of the holes. Yes. I remember that being a miserable 
bus ride overnight. I found that that was actually a common thing that these air conditioned buses, which are sold as the quote unquote luxury, just became miserable because we were basically being frozen all night. You couldn't control it. It was a pretty uh, rough experience for sure. Yes, but uh we survived. Was there a ferry ride after the bus ride? I think the ferry ride was on our way back because we needed to take a ferry to wherever the airport was because you're right. We, just, right. we were going to fly back. And so we had to take the ferry ride. Yes. I, I remember us getting Colanta and I don't know why we rented, somehow rented one scooter. I was getting our hotel and you were renting a scooter. And so I ended up like riding tandem behind you briefly. <laughs> so yes, I had a full uh, waist grip on you, which... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which you found surprising. I don't remember why I didn't have my own scooter at that point. Ava had one, so she let us borrow that, but then we, it wasn't long before we said, let's go rent another one. So I think we drove into town and, and picked one up. That's so, right. But we did have that brief period. You and I are not large individuals, but these tiny little bikes, it's cozy with on the same one. Indeed, especially yeah. when it's warm out. Exactly, but but we did get to, we did get two, and then uh, we were able to race around uh, the island, and it was a little more breathing room. Yeah, no, that was that was good. I spent a lot of time in the early mornings while you were still sleeping, riding the uh, riding that scooter at unsafe speed <laughs> down the road, my bugs in my teeth, and you know flip flops at fifty <laughs> miles an hour. One morning, I remember turning a corner and seeing an elephant standing in the middle of the road, um, which like there's. It's a really long thought process for how fast you're going like, huh, that's an elephant. <laughs> Do I stop? Which obviously answers yes. Do I have enough time to stop? And it's like, well, you better try it because otherwise you may die. So I slammed on the brakes, skidded to a stop about five feet from the elephant. The elephant was not bothered. He was not bothered. He was doing his elephant stuff. And Mike is like, yeah, dude, okay, fine. You know, whatever. I turned around driving back with my both of my feet like tapping down my hands like <laughs> oh my god that was a little scary but uh hey you know good good things the brake worked the brakes worked actually one one more thing about the motorcycles i do remember our last night we probably had returned the bike you were using so we saw it ava's it was like our last night and we were just cruising through the island roads and belting out songs i think every rose has its thorn was one probably some old college drinking songs probably scaring the sleeping elephants yes well i'm, I'm glad that we were singing every rose has its thorn because that is uh, my daughter's what she calls her baby song i used to sing hairband power ballads to her to get her to go to sleep when she was an infant so she'll ask me to sing her baby song to her which is in fact every rose has its thorn oh that's sweet yes this is, this is why we do it but back to thailand we had, a, I believe, was staying at the only air-conditioned space on the uh, island. We went to visit Ava's lodging, and it was no. No, 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 no. So, you know, where I talked about where I've, obviously I was, you know, doing my on-the-road budget traveler thing. And then Ava, who's also, you know, she's quite long-terming it, but had a, had a job uh, at the dive shop. But her instincts were also, oh, it won't cost you anything. You can crash at my place. But yes, you, again, no, no. now we're going for an air conditioner. And so we did we did find a, a nicer place uh, just down the beach. I just remember hers, hers feeling like you were staying in the jungle. <laughs> yes, yes. And ours was on the beach. So I, I felt good about that. Well, yes. I mean, you come all that way. You want you want to be on the beach. And and I appreciate it. It was definitely a, a good spot to, to chill and relax. I remember we ordered lobster everywhere we went. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We went to all these uh, Chinese restaurants on the beach, which were all great. And we always ordered lobster. They were really good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Getting massages from random people sort of wandering the beaches with bottles of oil. That was nice. I like that. Yes. Did that every day. 
I think this was definitely like a, a intention, like really not doing almost anything. That's exactly what it was because it's what we both needed. We just needed to stop for a while. And we, I remember we had some good chats. We, we'd be on the beach. We, we'd cruise around. It was definitely very chill. And, and, and like, I remember you got multiple massages. I put legitimate massages on the beach. This is a therapeutic massage. Oh, yes. Yes. Good Thai massage. Uh, yes. Not exactly. Not to be confused with other massage. No, not that. I mean, it was definitely a, a time to to chill and relax because I think we both needed it for differing reasons. And that's exactly what we wanted. And I think that's exactly what we got for sure. But so anyway, so yeah, so down in Atlanta, I mean, it was great for me because obviously I could catch up with uh, not only you, but also my friend Ava. So it was a good kind of grounding time for me and Ava because she was sort of living on that island. She knew some places. I do remember going out dancing a few times and meeting some of her friends. But the key person is we met a girl named Julie. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is friends of Ava. And then we were heading back to Bangkok because that was going to be our exit strategy of, you know, you're going to head home and I was going to go on with my life. But uh, Julie was also going to be in Bangkok. So we decided to hang out on New Year's Eve. Yeah. New Year's Eve, 2000, turning to 2001. So like the actual millennium, not the fake millennium the previous year. The true millennium. Yeah. Julie suggests we go go to a gay bar. In Bangkok. I, I remember there was a drag show. Uh, you were basically off dancing with her and, and supporting whatever. And I was hanging out at the bar, just talking to people. I remember it's, uh, you know, the countdown. I'm looking around and like y'all are counting down and looking at each other. And I'm like looking around and, like three, two, one. And there's a guy in a sailor suit like standing next to me. You're like, why not? <laughs> so my uh, first kiss in the, uh, in the new millennium was a Thai dude in a gay bar in Bangkok. Well, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do, right? You know, you're in Bangkok. It's the millennium. Sailor suit. Why not? Why, why not? I'm not going to I'm not going to be a prudent. Like, it was more of a peck. It's like, <laughs> you know, there was no slobber involved there. But uh, interesting place to be. Yes, I can remember being at the at the bar there. I, once again, I don't remember. I remember commerce on the way back. Got some custom shirts at this weird mall. I remember us going to the tailor. I remember. I do remember going to the jewelry store and getting my Buddha, which is which has lived on televisions and uh, on top of pianos and other things. Now in <laughs> our little, uh, we have a little opera window, a little triangle window, and it's living in there. The sort of the remaining couple of days before you left, it was definitely some shopping. You you definitely went around and, and picked up some some good uh, things, whether it's is the clothing or the you went to the gems and jewelry and and got some good finds. But honestly, the things that I remember the most, which I think were the most important, hanging out with you. Remember one night we decided, you know, let's just stay in. Let's order room service. And Rambo was on the TV. So we watched, we had room service and Rambo night. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that was just a great night. That was exactly what I needed at that time. And so I don't know, maybe you have a completely different perspective and say, wow, that trip to Thailand, Jay really ruined it for me. <laughs> no, no, I needed, I just got, no, I needed a break. I mean, I, I was living a very uh, fast and furious lifestyle while I was traveling for work. So it was my, my, my job was to fly around the world, get people drunk and make them like me. So that, that was my entire job. So yeah, so there was a lot of that. For me, where I was in my journey and my trip, I really thought that that would be the time I was heading home, yet I ended up being on the road for another four to five months after that, realizing the importance of, you know, those important people in your life and, and Ava as well. But I'm talking to you here. Yeah, I say I, Ava's not on this podcast. Those connections are important. So thanks for coming out and seeing me, man. My pleasure. Wasn't it after you got back, things took a radical shift at your job, like your company? I got fired either one or two weeks after I came back from the trip. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was pretty short turnaround time. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
that was the beginning of uh, time in uh, in New York City and my firm understanding of the concept of if you don't know who the sucker is at the poker table, it's you. <laughs> well, I think we covered it and I definitely glad we had that time and uh, it's what we needed at the time. So uh, definitely glad you, you came out on that trip. Uh, you were on a quite the amazing, amazing journey uh, of which I was not jealous in the slightest because all of the stuff that you went through and a lot of that travel sounded horrible to me. But glad you enjoyed it because because uh, that's who you are. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Chuck. I'm going to stop recording, but we'll uh, we'll have to. Maybe we should define some terms. Throughout this podcast series, I frequently talk about the purpose of travel, knowing what you want to get out of it, your goals, and and really that's not so much tied to travel, but as much as anything you do in life on any given day. Remember the intro to episode three. What are you doing? But I haven't directly addressed a definition of travel. Travel is a broad term, or perhaps more accurately, it's a very literal term to which I and most people may attach greater meaning. If you've been following along with me in this journey, you can probably come up with a definition that applies to me. Maybe my use of the term backpacking clarifies things a bit and more closely captures the style of my wandering ways. But again, it's important to remember that the word travel can conjure different images to different people. For me, if I use the phrase, I love to travel, the safe bet is I'm not talking about simply going from point A to point B. You can rightfully infer that my travel includes elements of adventure, exploration, and discomfort. Yes, discomfort is a critical ingredient, but I'll talk about that another time. But of course, Chuck had been traveling too. In fact, for most of the previous three years, he had been traveling internationally. But it was business travel, the hard and fast living in the world of sales. Sure, his coming to Thailand was to see a new place, but he was also looking for a break and escape, a chance to put his work life on pause and finally relax after years of the craziness of working in a software startup. But whether traveling for business or pleasure, discomfort was not in Chuck's ideal definition of travel. It was not a requisite criterion. While many of my friends, family, and former colleagues read about my adventures with envy and longing, did you notice Chuck was absolutely not wishing to trade places with me? For those of you who listened to my description of a several hours long uncomfortable ride in the back of a pickup truck through the war-torn roads of Cambodia, you may remember my excitement and glee at such an awesome ride and experience. Yeah, Chuck felt zero envy. He read that email 20 years ago and thought, hells to that, no. I'm so glad that's not me. Fortunately for this holiday, our goals readily aligned as I too was looking for a break from my current travels and also wanting to do so in style and comfort. My holiday break from Christmas to New Year's was about comfort and easy living. Sure, the upgrade and accommodation was a nice touch, but it was more the fact of seeing good friends and meeting new ones. We ate good food, we lazed on the beach, raced motorcycles around the island, explored caves, went on hikes, sang karaoke, and danced the night away in island bars. Chuck was able to see the Bangkok tourist spots and get some shopping done. And sometimes we just hung out and talked, caught up after years of being apart. It was almost a vacation and a break from my larger journey. It was definitely what I needed at that time. Catching up with Chuck was a good life check-in. For Chuck, he could see that in the few years since he had graduated from college, he was now an international sales director for a software startup and able to fly halfway around the world to visit an old friend for holiday. Note, we'd had a similar moment when he passed through Japan for work about a year prior and I was still living there. We were both giddy that somehow our lives had allowed for us to meet up in Tokyo. But in Thailand, he was, he was young, single, had a solid paycheck, and in the relatively low cost of living Thailand, could live lavishly, even upgrading his good buddy's level of living. That's me. Without a second thought. 
Oh, in case you missed it from our conversation, within a week or two of his return to the States, he was laid off from the company and, well, things drastically changed for him for a few years. Don't worry, he's doing okay now, married with two beautiful kids, nice home in the Bay Area, and the best man at his wedding gave one hell of a speech rap performance at the reception. Thank you very much. For me, I also had to do a life check-in, but my main question was, what's next? In my original plan, I would have been back in the States by this time, trip over and working a job at the frozen chicken factory. But here I was, money belt full of cash and more reserves in my safety deposit box, trying to figure out my next move. I still wanted to explore northern Thailand and Laos and possibly Myanmar, though at that time, travel to Myanmar was a controversial topic amongst backpackers. When I mentioned to Ava that I may cross the border and check it out, she handed me a flyer which discouraged tourists from visiting a country as the locals rarely benefited and it only helped the regime. I wasn't sure if that was the case, but in the end, the situation was avoided because I had too many other places I wanted to go. I had plenty of places I wanted to go, but after spending time with some good friends, I decided that rather focused solely on the destinations, it might be good to factor in people. In my view, travel is often as much about people as places. Thank you, Jay, of previous episodes. I had been in email contact with Justin and Dan, and we thought we may catch up again in another country. I no longer had any volunteer project commitments. I was in possession of all the money I had in the world, and just had a list of amazing countries I wanted to visit. Up until this point, I'd had some target or deadline. I had to be in Phnom Penh on a certain date in August. I had to get to Nepal before the work camp started. I had to get back to Bangkok before my money ran out. There was, there was a lot of flexibility in what I did between those spots, but I still had some targets to hit. But now, it was really wide open. Also, while in Koh Lanta, Ava introduced me to Julie. Julie was from the Netherlands, hailing from Rotterdam. She'd been in the IT business, but had packed up, hit the road, and had a vague notion of heading towards Australia to do something different with her life. We spent a lot of time together hanging out in Bangkok after Chuck left. My longest single stretch ever in Bangkok, in fact, but Julie showed me parts of the city to which I'd never been, and we had our own wild and crazy adventures without ever leaving the city borders. Julie had had a travel partner when she was on the islands, but but her partner met a guy, decided to invest in a bar, and, well, uh, life happens, I guess. So Julie ended up in Bangkok solo, trying to figure out what to do next. We spent a week together, both trying to figure out our next moves, and then finally decided to make our next move together. Julie, who had family in Indonesia, invited me to join her and head south to pay them a visit, passing through Malaysia and Singapore on the way. This is probably one of the easiest and best decisions I made on my entire trip. And so, dear friends, listeners, and members of the J-Luck Club, tune in next time to hear about my experience of finally traveling with a partner. And also, how an impulsive, unplanned stop resulted in a significant and unexpected detour, as someone from my past called my bluff about how serious I was about changing up my itinerary just to see old friends. I'm talking about the J. Luck Club origin story, people. Seriously, folks, the next episode, it all comes together. Thank you, as always, for listening. For pictures, extras, show notes, check out honeyroastedtshirts.com. Honey Roasted t-shirts, they don't make t-shirts, but if they did, they'd be honey roasted. And a look at the year ahead for Honey Roasted t-shirts? 
Well, look forward to some non-JLUC Club projects and content at Honey Roasted T-Shirts later this year. Honey Roasted T-Shirts is about more than just the JLUC Club. Just don't expect any T-Shirts. Is that too much for you? Then just visit thejlucclubpodcast.com for all the episodes. But I highly encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you find your podcasts. Have new episodes magically delivered to your device. Leave us a rating and review. It really helps. Though I'm well out of the mountains of Nepal, that doesn't mean I still don't have a hankering for some Dollbot from time to time. And you can check out the Dollbot Diddy on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your music. Download your very own copy. Support the JLUC Club and Chord Savvy. If you listen to this podcast, or if you've read the emails, or own a copy of Dollbot Diddy, or maybe if you've heard me tell the story about that time in Taiwan where a friendly game of Mahjong took a serious turn as money got involved, but I walked away the big winner. Well, you just might be a member of the J-Luck Club. Thank you for staying tuned to Journal Extras. Before we get into some of the extras, a couple of points of order. Though Ava and I have lost touch over the years, we did reconnect recently. I reached out to her. We caught up and exchanged a few messages. We weren't able to schedule a time to record a conversation, but I do hope to have her on in a future episode. Also, in case Ava does listen to this, or I would like to make a correction. When Ava was in Japan, she lived in a large traditional Japanese house with more rooms than anyone needed, and of course I was envious. In this episode, I mentioned she referred to one of the rooms as the vacuum room because she had nothing to do with it except she kept her vacuum in there. I realized during editing that it was not Ava who actually dubbed that room, but another friend of mine, an Australian girl, Erin, who had lived in the house previous to Ava. So, right house, wrong person. In my email, I expressed some disappointment that my friends Dan and Justin had missed their opportunity to be Bollywood extras. Well, I was able to speak with them about that 20 years later. I'll share that with you now. It was really one of the most memorable nights of the the whole trip. It was a crazy night. I do remember something which when I got the email from one of you, I was extremely disappointed. Apparently, you missed your chance to be Bollywood extras. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Believe it or not, that was supposed to be that morning that I woke up with vomit in my bed. And we just couldn't answer the bell. They came. We were so excited. You know, we had met this guy the day before. He's like, yeah, you guys are going to be extras. And, you know, you'll you'll get the whole experience, blah, blah. We're like, awesome. You know, no matter what, man, we can't miss this, you know. So then we had that crazy night. And, I mean, it ended probably at, like, 3 a.m. when the guy from Texas was like, you know, he's like, okay, now let's go get some brown sugar. You know? <laughs> we knew what the brown sugar was. It was Indian slang. There was all these signs around India. What was it like? You know, sugar is brown. Your your dream is drowned. Like drug prevention awareness. And we were like, nah, probably not a good idea. This is, this is I guess, where we're going to have to go home. A very mature decision. But, you know, we, we got to bed around probably four to sleep. And then the guy came at six and we were just like, nah, we're just not doing it. I actually was ready to do it. I think Dan was was the voice of reason saying, 
you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty rough next 24 hours. I guess looking back, understanding the context, I'll allow the fact that you missed your chance to be Bollywood extras. It would have been amazing if we could have actually answered the bell and done that because it, it, we would have been, it would have been miserable, but it would have made the story even, you know, more impressive. We would have had a whole other story to tell about being Bollywood extras. Justin, what we probably should have done in retrospect is gone for the brown sugar and power through. You may have had a very different story to be told. December 24th, Christmas Eve. Chuck's here. We got a room at the Siam Intercontinental. Nice. For Christmas Eve, we go find food at a French restaurant. We wander a bit. We spot a bar playing American football. Seattle is playing. Go Hawks. And we head there to watch and catch up. Much to the confusion of the bar girls who wonder why we don't give them our attention. December 26th, Colanta. We find Ava's shop, pick up a key, go to her place. We find out later Ava was going to let us crash at her place while she went elsewhere, but Chuck wants higher class digs. We get a bungalow on the beach with air conditioning. I'll take it. Ava mentions karaoke possibilities with some people she knows. I tell her I'm totally down, and that's before she let me know they were female friends. December 28th. I slept in. I had visions of waking up early, quick dip, then a bit of a pre-breakfast cruise on the bike, but my body didn't share this vision. I go for a sunset ride on the motorcycle. Chuck and I do some caving, me navigating surprisingly well on my flip-flops. In the cave, I realize that we should try and get Bangkok earlier on the 31st so we can enjoy the night in the city. We ride to town, change the tickets. The only thing available is first class. That's how we're gonna go. We meet up with Julie. We go to some random local bar, then we head to Patbong, then we find a bar with a drag show. Lots of dancing. Chuck's last day, so we do tourist things. Wat Po, Grand Palace, River Canal Tour, Snake Farm. January 3rd, back to budget life. Can't believe it's been 10 days in Bangkok. I've been totally enjoying it. Productive. Nice to get off a of cow on road. I took a bus to the border. I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. My ears were swollen. Took another bus rider shorter. I took a bus to the border. I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. My ear was swollen. Took another bus rider was much shorter. Trained to the stop. Where the scattering was going. Hey, that's almost, almost, almost had it. I took a bus to the border. I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. My ear was still swollen. Took another bus ride was shorter to a train stop where I got scammed and backpack was stolen. And everyone flocked to the table and we walked out completely unscathed, just walked our way out into the night and, and enjoyed the rest of our evenings. I believe walked quickly, if, if, if not fled. I believe it was, a, it was quite a, uh, more of an escape than a, than a leaving calmly. I will still say this was one of the more brilliant things we did. 
You know the trick that the, the, the magicians do with the handkerchief? This was a unique take on that particular trick. We'll see what ends up in, in the final cut on this, but this, this thing I'm quite proud of. So I don't know how, uh, how NSFW uh, is this podcast. Because I don't know how much I want to be quoted. I'll stop recording. Don't worry. No more singing. Was it something I said or something I did? Did the words not come out right? Though I tried not to touch you, though I tried. Just like every night has its dawn. Just like every cowboy sings a sad. Sad song. Every rose has its thorn. Yeah, it does. <laughs>